You've been through pre-Cana, maybe you've even said, I do. And now what? Welcome to After Cana, a podcast for young couples looking to make it until death do they part. In each episode, we'll share sage wisdom and practical advice from couples who've been married for 20 plus years. And today I have with me Mary Ellen and Dominic. Hi, guys. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Doing well, thank you. Great. Um, So if you guys don't mind, maybe just introduce yourselves, your names, where you're from, and how long you've been married. Okay, I'm Mary Ellen Paleso. Um, I'm actually originally from Wisconsin, but now I'm living, well, we've been living in California, our whole married life, and we've been married 50 years. Yeah, we just celebrated a couple of weeks ago. And my name is Dominic. I'm originally from Hilo, Hawaii. Lived together here uh, for the last 50 years in Menlo Park, California. That's amazing. Congratulations on 50 years. So let's just jump right in. Uh, how did you two meet? We met because we were next door neighbors. Um, my roommate and I were moving into a house and, that had two other um, two flight attendants living in it. And um, I hadn't moved in yet, but I was over there visiting um, and I was moving in in a couple of weeks. And lo and behold, Dominic came and um, brought one of the flight attendants home from a date. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what is your side of that story, Dominic? Um, I can't tell the whole story, but... <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I, um, I took one of the flight attendants out uh, on a date because we had just met. And um, it was okay, but it, she was obviously not going to be the person in my life. And I brought her home. And, frankly, I saw Mary Ellen and I said, you know, I think this is the girl I've been waiting for. <laughs> and we went off to Europe and came back and we started dating. And um, we went out on a first date. And later on, we shared the fact that uh, we were looking at each other and... We both decided that we were going to get married on, on the, our first date. On the very first date. But we didn't say anything. Yeah. We okay. I waited for six weeks before I asked her to marry me. Six weeks. Whoa. Yeah. That's awesome. Hey, when you know, you know, right? Yeah. That's well, great. The is, um, he said, uh, you know, when I said yes, and he said, okay, when, when can we get married? And it was May. And I said, now, you know, I have to wait at least a year to marry him. So I said, um, June. And his eyes just lit up. He said, next month? Great. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, but there's, so we're get married next month, but there's so. also another kind of <laughs> part about it is that when I asked her to marry me, she was thinking, oh, he's going to ask me to marry me. Yeah, I think I want to marry him. But I'm going to say no because we don't know each other very long. And yes came out of her mouth and she said oh well i guess i gotta get married <laughs> oh my gosh that's amazing yeah, was pretty, i think the holy spirit had a lot to do with it yeah yeah the holy spirit always helps yeah um so how how did you guys know was it the, like the conversations you had it just it felt right like how did you know so quickly that you were each other's person I knew, just like you said, we just, it was just so easy to talk to him. I could tell on the first night we had the same value systems, you know, the same type of upbringing. Mm -hmm. And it was just so comfortable uh, that it, I thought, man, I've never had this feeling before that I knew that I could marry him and it would be fine. And I certainly couldn't blame her. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, it's kind of interesting. I was in a seminary for 10 years. Wow. Uh, 
Um, and then um, I left the seminary in 1970, met Mary Ellen in 1973. But it's kind of interesting how as you're growing up and you're thinking about the girl of your dreams, you know, I had this image and of the ideal girl and she came along, she fit the bill the first night and I was ready to go. From the movie I'm sold. To up in the church. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my gosh. So, okay. So you got engaged at six weeks. You got married within the next year. Uh, we got married. Let's see. So we got engaged. When was that? Um, in May. May. We got married, engaged in May. We got married in June. Nice. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Next June. It, no. no. We got oh. married in December. That was oh, kind okay. of position. And we got married at her uh, home church in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Oh, my and gosh. I got married in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Oh, okay. did you really? Yeah. At St. Um, James. St. James the last. No, we got married at the cathedral. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. My sister is a parishioner there. Oh, really? Oh, oh my God. What a small world. Oh, oh my God. gosh. Oh, Are you from La Crosse? So I'm from San Diego, but my family moved to La Crosse when I was in college. Oh, I so see. I so I'm the youngest of seven, and almost all of my family, all my siblings have moved to La Crosse. But, you know, what was interesting for us, too, is that, that we got married on December 29th, and the high temperature that day was zero. Oh and, my gosh. And it was 30 below. And I told Mary Ellen, we, don't, we didn't have a high today, just a low and a lower. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can relate because we got married in November and uh -huh. it was, yeah, a high of 10. Our <laughs> bridesmaids were shivering and taking pictures. <laughs> I came from Hawaii. It was 80 when they got on a plane and they got off and it was zero. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is a rude awakening. Yeah. <laughs> That is so funny. Okay, so wow, can't believe that that connection. But um, so once you got married, what was your first year of marriage like? You know, our first year of marriage is fine. We've never really had the ups and downs that a lot of people do have in their marriage, and um, I can't think of any major problems we had that you know that first year. No, I can't think of any major problems we've had in fifty years. To tell you the yeah, truth, right. hey, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, we had some issues, like um, I was working at the police department, and uh, there was like two years or so where I was just kind of going crazy with my boss and all this kind of stuff, you know, mm. and I didn't handle it very well, and um, so that was a little bit of a tension thing in the family, but it wasn't because of either one of us, it was because of this third party, and right. it, we actually finally got religion again and, and started praying that, we, that, that that stuff smoothed out. We kind of got on a roll of negative um, talk instead of, um, okay, here's the situation. What can we do about it? You know, maybe we can't do anything about it, which we couldn't. Mm -hmm. But we didn't at that point, um, as Dominic was saying, have religion. So we didn't put it in prayer. So that okay. was, but we really learned a lot from that situation. And we've really we've avoided it ever since. So. That's great. Yeah. So, um, so did you... Get, you got married in the church, but you were not very strong in your faith at that point. We were wishy-washy. Yeah. Okay. And then what what was it that made that change, I guess? Well, first of all, we got into um, the apparitions in Medjugorje. Oh, and, cool. and the other thing that, you know, the kids were, you know, starting to, they were in um, school now. 
and you know listening to their peers as opposed to their parents so we thought you know this parenting is getting a little bit harder they don't pay as much attention to us and so um one may both Dominic's family and I family had the same uh, practice of um of praying the rosary during the month of may you know we you set up a little altar with mary and candles and flowers so we did it and you know the kids got to pick the flowers and uh, the big highlight for them was lighting the candles and mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, we did that for the month of may and we thought it was really the kids really loved it and so we thought let's not tell them may is over and just keep going and so we did and for the rest um, of you know i mean to this day we still say the rosary every night as a family or oh my gosh it's beautiful. The rosary uh, is so powerful. It totally changed. We look, a year later, we looked back and it just totally changed the dynamics of the family. And that's that you don't still have the same problems swirling around, but it's how you handle them. Yeah, there were also a couple of things, especially um, I was the assistant chief of police and I competed for the chief of police position. And um, I, I, I was the perfect candidate, according to me. <laughs> but I didn't get it. And it was um, kind of a humiliation um, to a certain extent. And I didn't mm -hmm. realize how, you know, quietly proud I was. And I think God kind of forced me down and told me, no, I don't want you to go into that path. I'm looking back and I'm, I'm thinking this, you know. And the other thing that happened is that our pastor felt very uh, pressured by the archbishop, uh, who was kind of a liberal guy, to do this renew program, small faith sharing. And we said that we would help out and we, we started a small group. So between the, you know, kind of like the, the put down where God, you know, slams you down and says, hey, I'm in charge and the small group. And then as Mary Ellen said, praying the rosary because of Medjugorje and all those things. That was that really bubbled us up and we were just we we're back big time. That's awesome. Wow. The power of prayer and Our Lady and absolutely. Wow. That's amazing. Um, so you mentioned children. Uh, how many children do you guys have? So we have three children and we have 11 grandchildren. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We're very blessed and they all still go to church on Sunday. And um, all of them married fallen away Catholics who came back to the faith with their marriage. Wow. Or just before. But we attribute to the fact that none of them um, ever strayed from the church, even in college. And it wasn't necessarily our great parenting. It was the power of prayer. Yeah. Whenever people ask us, how did you do that? Have all your children still practicing the faith? Our mm -hmm. response is always three rosaries a day. That'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get away with an apple a day. It's a <laughs> rosary a day. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, that's really great. So, um, how would you say your marriage kind of shifted as a result of having kids? I know you said that that was part of what led you back to the faith, but with between each other, how would you say children kind of factored into your relationship? Well, probably the best gift you can give your children is to have a good marriage. So we made sure that even with the chaos of having young kids that we kept up with our communication. Um, you know, you learn to talk over all the bedlam, you know, in the house. Um, and, you know, once they got in school, we um, we would go out to lunch just because we couldn't necessarily go out to dinner, you know, um, getting a babysitter or that. But um, we would try to um, go out to lunch because Dominic um, worked in, um, in, 
in Miller Park. So it made it very easy for us. And he also um, worked just two blocks from where the kids went to school. So oh, that works. It was it, it was all very close and almost small townish, even though we live in a metropolitan area. So yeah, the the other kind of factor that I uh, I think played into it was kind of interesting to reflect on is that we were married, we had a good, good marriage, and we loved each other, and we were doing things together and everything. But after about two years or so, we felt like there, there's more to this than just each other. Mm -hmm. And that we, were, we became very open to children. And I mean, children are a total blessing, in addition to taking every dollar out of your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I, um, I just had my first, my oh. husband and I just had our first in August, so. Congratulations. She Thank you so much. Yeah, it's, I completely agree. It's the greatest, the greatest change and the greatest blessing. Beautiful, beautiful. Yes, yeah. you know, children really enable you to get out of yourself and yes. spend time and energy and thoughts and prayers and everything for other people. And it just really, God, know, God knew what he was doing when he invented children. <laughs> so true. Oh my mm -hmm. gosh. So, I know you, you said that you haven't had many issues between each other over 50 years, but what would you say was was a difficult trial that you guys faced and how did you kind of approach that together? So the only real fight I can remember, I, I, I can remember not that we didn't have disagreements and it's actually really quite funny. We argued about um, how you load the dishwasher. Oh, you know, Put knives and, um, and forks up, or do you put them down? And um, anyway, we were arguing about that. And it's a serious argument because, as a police officer, I'm very concerned about safety, and I thought that this is a safety issue that I had to really push. <laughs> so tell them what you did then. We're arguing about this, and then you know, I just I don't know if you're familiar with um, Divorce Court, that TV program that used to yeah. be on. Yeah. Well, I looked at Mary Ellen and said, you know what? Judge Wapner, I would like a divorce from this woman. And he said, why? And I said, well, because she puts the knives and a fork sticking up and I, they need to be down. Ellen had kind of an interesting reaction to it. So I was listening to it and I thought, oh, God, it is so funny. But if I laugh, I lose. <laughs> but I couldn't help it. I laughed. And what it did is it just dissipated, you know, the, the, the argument is to <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I also want to tell you that I was right all along because several years later we heard a story about a young girl that was running through the house, tripped and fell, and she, actually one of the knives that was sticking up punctured her lung. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, I was in the up camp before yeah. this conversation, so <laughs> I might have to change that. Yes. <laughs> I so would definitely. He really feels vindicated. Oh yeah, now. <laughs> yeah. It's nice to win one over fifty years. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. <clears throat> the amount of people who argue over the dishwasher is crazy, though. We've had so many couples who said the same exact thing. Oh, really? Oh yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we should all just go back to dishwashing. I don't know, or hand washing. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. Um. So, what has surprised you about? marriage would you say i think the biggest surprise for me is that when i was growing up and thinking about marriage and seeing it in movies and everything it was so idealistic and so mm -hmm. seemingly perfect and so joyful 
And I think the biggest surprise I have is that it's been exactly that way with us. Mm -hmm. I mean, what, what is this? I mean, occasionally I say to Marion, you know what? We're too happy. We're too joyful. <laughs> you know, we got to, you know, I don't know what we can do about it, except that we really, and I think for me, that was, I think the biggest surprise because you figure, okay, eventually, you know, you, you get used to each other and you kind of plateau in your relationship and you have a good marriage and all those kind of things. But the thing that we found is that if you allow God, especially through prayer, into your relationship, there's no such thing as a plateau. Uh, it all it just keeps on getting better and better. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, that is amazing. I know you mentioned you do marriage prep. How did you get into that, and when did you guys start doing that? We started about thirty years ago, um, so we've been doing it for a long time. Um, and I, I, our pastor asked us if um, if we would start doing marriage prep. We have um, a very beautiful one hundred and fifty year old church. And so it's kind of a destination place, um, you know, for weddings. And um, our pastor was very good to want people formed well. And so he asked us if we would um, do marriage prep and a couple other couples also. And so we said yes. And mm -hmm. then over the course of doing it, however, we've um, we've changed it a bit. And because we realized that kids don't have any real concept of what love is, you know, in, um, in this new day and age. Mm -hmm. It's, um, and so we, we just, our first thing to, to do is to, uh, tell them what love really is. And what love really is, we tell them is sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Love equals sacrifice. And then I love this comment that I make as a deacon, you know, I occasionally do weddings, mm -hmm. um, and during the homily, I always look over at the couple and I say, now, I'd like to ask you a rhetorical question. Why are you getting married? And I said, don't answer it because I don't want to spoil the ceremony. And if you're getting married because you want to be happy, I invite you to stand up, turn around and leave the church. Because yeah. you're not. But if you're getting married because you want to make somebody else happy, you got it. And it's going to be a great marriage. And, yeah. a, joy and a joyful marriage. Yeah. That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I yeah, I've heard yeah, several couples say, you know, if you wake up thinking, you know, how am I gonna be happy today? Versus if you wake up saying, How do I make my husband happy or how do I make my wife happy? It just transforms the whole way that you look at everything you do. It does. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's so important. Well, it becomes a relationship that's not based on selfishness, but rather on giving. And, yeah. you know, God created us in the divine image, which is a dynamism of love and is a giving person. God is a giving person. And it's yeah. that, that old thing that, you know, if you want to be loved, go out and love people and they'll love you. If you want to be happy, go out and make people happy and they'll make you happy. If you want to be respected, go out and respect people and they'll respect you. And it's kind of an interesting thing because the world kind of teaches you self-esteem and all this kind of crazy stuff. Oh man, if you want to be happy, go out and make people happy and you will be happy. It's amazing. Yeah, so true. And it goes back to why our children make us so happy. Mm -hmm, exactly. You know, we we give everything for them and they're our favorite person in the world at the end of the day, even if they give us nothing back, mm -hmm. which is very, very Christ-like love. Mm -hmm. Um 
So I wanted to ask you guys, I'm sure you have a wealth of advice for couples, but what would be your number one piece of advice for newly engaged, newly married couples? Well, first of all, get the, um, the concept that love is sacrifice, but also pray together as a couple every night or every day. And um, then um, once you have children, pray together as a family. Yeah, we um, we have this uh, PowerPoint presentation that we do, which is an eight and a half by eleven piece of paper, <laughs> <laughs> and it's got a triangle on it. And at the top of the triangle is God. On the bottom corners is man and woman. And what we teach them is that when the man prays, he gets closer to God. When the woman prays, she gets closer to God, and then they get closer to each other. And we certainly found that in our relationship. When we started praying, for example, the rosary every day together, our family, our relationship, and it's still to this day, we try to do that every day. You get closer to each other because God is super glue and he wants us to be happy. Uh, we do use some statistics that we found out of a small Christian group in, um, in Harvard in the 1980s. And what they found was that if you got married in the Chapel of the Bells, your chance of divorce at that time was one out of two. I'm sure it's a lot worse now, especially when you wake up after your drunken stupor and wonder what you did, you <laughs> right. know. Um, but then if you get married in church, but you're not really church goers, you're just pleasing your parents, your chance of divorce is one out of four. Uh, if you're uh, going to get married in the church and you go to church every every week together, then your chance of divorce is one out of 50. And if you go to church together every week, and you pray together every day, your chance of divorce is one out of 1,487. And that's because wow. God in your life, you're going to be happy and you're going to stay married. There you go. That's yeah. that's proof enough for, yeah. for so me. We challenge our you know, marriage prep um, people to um, do it every day. And we give them that as homework for four weeks. And we're hoping nice. by the end of the four weeks, it's a, it's a habit. So. Yeah, when they show up for class number two, the first thing we say after prayer and Bible reading is, well, how many days did you pray together? And, you know, Catholics aren't used to praying together. They're used to going to Mass, maybe, you know, even if they're very faithful. But, you know, you're focused on the Mass. But praying together is a real bonding, you know, experience. And yeah. um, and so you don't want to get, have some trauma in your life and then try and figure out how do you pray together, you know? Yeah, and initially it's it's somewhat awkward for them, but invariably they all, it, the ones that really take it seriously, they all really enjoy it. They do, yeah. That's really, really great. Great, because what we tell them in our marriage prep is that uh, we want love as intimacy. And we're, they're going to eventually be physically intimate. They're going to be psychologically intimate as they get to know each other. And to be spiritually in, in, uh, intimate, they need to pray together. Mm. That's so true. I'd, I've never heard someone call it spiritual intimacy, but that's such a great way to put that. And it's so important because, you know, you are, you know, married to each other with God. Like at the altar, it's not just you two. It, it's God mm. as well. So exactly, that's really very powerful. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, so any other stories or, or advice or <laughs> anything we missed? Any questions that you, you wanted to go back to? 
one other thing that we did when they were a little older, like, you know, um, in school and middle school, is uh, we started doing a holy hour every week. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they didn't have to sit next to us. They could go anywhere in the church, you know, just read, um, pray or read, you know, some um, religious book. And then um, then afterwards, we'd be, we would go out to ice cream. So it all became a positive experience for them, not, you know, and as they get older, then they realize it was really the hour in church that um, uh, yeah, when was they, the, the positive part. When of the they hit about 25, they realized it was the church part that was important. <laughs> yes, yeah. Not just so, the ice cream. <laughs> one thing that we teach them, too, is that, um, and, and you'll see a lot of emphasis in this in marriage prep stuff and everything, is good communication mm-hmm. uh, with each other. And what we teach them is what Jesus has taught us in the Gospels about um, the heart and that you have to have uh, good communication in your heart so that you have good communication when your mouth opens. And we use that example of the when Jesus was asked about adultery and he would say something to the effect of, well, in the Old Testament, if you man went, went with a woman, that was adultery. But I tell you that if you even lust for a woman, then you've already committed adultery. So we work with them to develop purity of heart and explain mm-hmm. to them what temptations are, how it's not sin, but you have to recognize it and you have to just continue to fight against the temptations. And as you get full of grace, especially if you're going to mass, you're in the state of grace with confession and everything, that you become more aware of the impurities of the heart before your mouth engages with, with things. And, um, and that's become really important, especially in this day and age, uh, mm-hmm. where we, there's so much negativity that hits us with politics, stuff that's going on in the church and everything that we have to maintain that purity of heart. That's so true. And so it makes good communication. When two, when a husband and a wife have purity of heart um, and they, they fight that battle a hundred times a day, their communication ends up being really good. Even if what the husband especially says isn't exactly correct, the wife can at least appreciate the fact that he's got a good heart. <laughs> That's so true. Oh my gosh. Um, this is kind of a practical question, but what does your prayer together look like? Like, is it you sit next to each other praying quietly or you're, you're being vocal or no, what is that like? Next to each other, but we, we pray the rosary. Um, that's just a very important part of our life. In the marriage prep, we encourage the rosary, but we also um, encourage them if, if that doesn't strike their fancy, um, to use the um, um, to use spontaneous prayer, and mm-hmm. we use acronym ACTS. Have you ever heard of that? I think I have, but it is yeah. um, um, adoration, contrition, thanksgiving, and supplication, which mm-hmm. is mission. And we encourage them to start out with you know thanksgiving, and then um, you know supplication, and then you, you know eventually get to the um, contrition and um adoration but uh and some couples do that i think especially if there's a protestant involved in in the marriage um they're better at spontaneous prayer than catholics normally are because we're used to more um rote prayer you know yeah yeah we're more used to prayer st thomas aquinas a great doctor of the church wrote this thing 600 years ago and that's what we're going to pray but the, the one thing we do on the spontaneous prayer when you get to the contrition part we're not we're telling them you know this isn't confession time of all the sins you've committed in your life 
what mm-hmm. what that generally is is what about the little hurts or the big hurts of that day ask for forgiveness and give for forgiveness and the other thing we encourage is if it strikes your fancy to read the bible a passage mm-hmm. together in the bible and then um prayerfully talk about um what it means to them so but we really- go, we're big time rosary yeah which is you know a, a um um, a trip through the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. Yeah, that's scripture, prayer, Our Lady, Jesus, all rolled into one. Yeah, yep. beautiful. Yeah. Oh, the other well, the other thing that we talk about is uh, how to handle conflict. And mm-hmm. uh, one of the great, one of the interesting things about conflict is that it occurs when two parties are right. <laughs> so we just tell them, be careful about being right. <laughs> <laughs> very true. We um, also, um, you know, a lot of couples, some people need to discuss it right away. Some people need to, you know, sit back and um, and think about it. And that's okay as long as you don't sit back too long and you use it well and not use it to think, okay, I'm going to come back for the jugular when I come back and talk to them. But um, what we kind of found out is when you go back to your corners to think about it, use prayer, you know, put it in prayer and um, maybe God will enlighten, to, enlighten you as to mm-hmm. what is right, what is wrong, and how, sh- how should you come back in a charitable way. And sometimes it. It, it takes 17 minutes of a rosary by yourself to, to yeah. suddenly realize <laughs> what's going on. Yeah, that's a really, that's really good advice because I know, I mean, my husband is the type he needs some time to think and mm-hmm. process, and I'm the type who is ready to talk about it right away and just wanting to get past the conflict because I don't like conflict. But I think, yeah, sitting in prayer is such a great um, piece of advice for anyone dealing with that. How we came about it is um, I, I was at a friend's house and she was um, – and making me angry but I was just kind of keeping it in she was kind of pushing my button all the time and I was by the time I left I was really furious but she <laughs> was all internal and Dominic was gone I couldn't bounce it off of him so I sat down and I said a prayer when I got home and after the prayer I was still really angry so I thought well let me just sit down and say a rosary and so I said a rosary and it was very interesting at the end of the rosary I was totally calm totally peaceful and I actually saw things more clearly. Part of the issue was my issue because it was a sensitive thing that she was, you know. Mm-hmm. It was, I know this gal. She's um, just generally tactless. She doesn't really always mean it that way, but the way it comes right. out, that, well, I can confront her on it and it'll possibly ruin our relationship or it's not that big a deal, just forget it. And so that's what I did. So mm-hmm. um, realize that people could just use that in their um you know, arguments. I got another good story for you. Uh, one another <laughs> that we had is that one night I was really angry at Mary Ellen, but I didn't know why. And she didn't know why. <laughs> morning, and I was still angry at her, but I didn't know why. I, w- I knew that I was angry. So I went over to the police department, did the briefing and all those kinds of things. And then I said, I've got to talk to Mary Ellen. So I went over to the kids' kindergarten where the school was, which was a block away from the department. And um, and I, I said, Mary Ellen, I need to talk to you. And she said, I can't talk to you. I got all these kids around me. So that made me furious, of course. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to go to adoration. So I went over to our church, which has perpetual adoration. And I sat there and I says, 
nope, this isn't doing it. You know, I'm still angry, but I still don't know why. But but it's like it was strange. I didn't know why, but I knew I was really furious. Okay. So then I said, okay, this isn't working. So I decided to leave the church. As I left the church, I dipped my hand in holy water, made the sign of the cross, said that felt good. And I made it again, instantly cured. I was like totally 100% back to normal. Went over to the school and says, hey, Mariel, how you doing? I'll see you tonight. Take care. Have a great day. And I went back to work. And I'm still wondering what the heck happened. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that I think, I, you know, I'm not exactly sure on the term, but it's either obsession or something like that, where the devil got to me. Um, because when it doesn't make any sense, you know, there's some that he's he's playing with it. And the sacramental of holy water chased him away. We do a spiritual warfare conference and the exorcist that spoke, they had a question and answer. And the guy said, the question was, what surprised you the most about being an exorcist? He said, what surprised me the most was the power of sacramentals. And this is a priest. Really? He said, I thought sacramentals were good. I never realized it's power over the devil. And of course, it's the devil that tries to get into your relationship and break it up. So that's a story for you. So true. Yeah. He doesn't want us to last 50 years. Like, oh, yeah. You know? Well, so far, he's failed. Let's keep that up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, thank you guys so much. That was so great to hear your story and, and all your amazing advice. Um, I would love to lead us in prayer. Um, great. If you um, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 <clears throat> Mary, mother of fairest love, you are the mother of Jesus and our mother. Intercede for us with your son as you did at the wedding at Cana. Pray for us, fairest mother, to strengthen and bless our families. Help those called to marriage to find their spouses and teach them to love with a pure and selfless love. Accompany parents in the upbringing and education of their children with unconditional love. Help those who have answered the Father's call to the consecrated life or to apostolic celibacy to be generous and faithful to their vocations. Bring peace, unity, and joy to the homes and families that are broken or burdened. Accompany with the warmth of your presence those who are alone. You are the Mater Pulcre Delexionis, the mother of beautiful love. Help us to love as Jesus loves, so we may show each other love full of mercy and forgiveness. May all our love and affections be always faithful, pure, and chaste. Dear Mother, be our refuge in our material and spiritual needs and intercede especially for um, Mary Ellen and Dominic and their family and also all of our listeners. May we grow in love and come to know true peace and joy now and in the life to come in heaven. Amen. 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 Thank you. That was beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us for this episode of After Cana. If you enjoyed listening, share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review or visit us at ferrisloveshrine.org.